Welcome to the Spilt Podcast. I'm Charlene. And I'm Tanya. We confess we are spillers. Not in the way that you may think, but it is likely you are one too. So if you've ever believed you are less than, invisible, or made to doubt yourself, we're glad you're here. We have been there, and in some respects, we're still there, because life is a journey. We are not doctors, therapists, or life coaches, but our collective life experience has taught us a thing or two. It is not a mistake that our paths are colliding today. So let's dig in, dig deep, and talk about why we spill. Welcome back, spillers. This is episode 12. In today's episode, it's going to be a little different than before. Charlene's going to tell us what this one is. So, as Tanya said, this is our reflections episode. That's going to be, it's different because we're going to reflect back. We're going back to our roots. We are having a real coffee talk today which also included macaroons. <laughs> yes. Because we always had coffee in our coffee talks with... Yes, we went to our favorite little shop and had our macarons as well. Macarons. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I always say it the wrong way. So but, now we have them here with us. Yes, so we have them here with us. So... In this episode, we will spend some time exploring how doing this podcast has affected each of us. We're going to think about some things we wish we would have said or maybe not have said on particular topics. And of course, we will sprinkle in a little bit of encouragement. And for our challenges and triumphs segment, that's also going to be different because we fill this entire episode is about the challenges that adding the podcast did and also the triumphs that we have been succeeding with and recognizing as we're doing this. So it's going to be sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get started, you okay. whatever you have to say. All right, in the well, beginning. I'll take the lead here. <laughs> so all I can say is, oh my gosh. Because in every episode, for me, it is affecting me in such a profound way. I am learning so much more about myself. And I thought I have been doing a lot of work in my therapy. But now I'm realizing I'm just discovering all these parts of myself that still need work. These areas in my life that I'm not done yet. But I'm also learning that there are areas that are being healed, that there are parts of me that are healing. And it's like, I just wanted to put on record here that in episode three, on the one that was my story, I declared that I am a strong woman and believed I'm stronger now than I've ever been. And I just asked myself, is that true? really Charlene but today one of my challenges is that I am actually fighting back doubt and fear doubt and fear doubt and fear because reflecting back it seems like I'm always saying 
I still struggle with this. Oh, and this too, and that too, and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And so today I'm, I'm like struck with, should I even be doing this mm-hmm. podcast? Because it seems like every episode when I went back and listened, I was like, oh yeah, I still struggle with this. Oh yeah, I'm still struggling with that. And I'm just trying to be real. That's what my... I determined that it's just that you are trying to be real and honest and you actually are practicing being your authentic self. And so in that became what I thought was a challenge. Now I've shifted my mindset into saying, okay, it's a triumph. It's a triumph. Doing the podcast is a triumph. This is where you're supposed to be. I had had this impression upon my heart right before Tanya was talking about a podcast and I kept telling my husband, I feel like God is wanting me to use my voice for something. I, there's something I'm supposed to be saying. There's something I'm supposed to be doing, but I just didn't know what it was. And now I'm really settling into possibly this is what God was talking about. This is what I was feeling. This is where God wanted me to use my voice. If not for anybody else, for me. But, you know, being able to admit that that is growth, it's still kind of, I can see it and I can hear it and it's out in the open now. But again, my default go-to place is to believe my doubts and to believe my fears. So it's a it's a mix of a hot mess right there. I would like to say that we were excited to hear from some people that were relatable. Mm-hmm. So just to be able to be on here and say, we still struggle with this or I'm not perfect here or whatever, that's what makes it more relatable. If we came in as authoritative and said this is what you do to get better and boom it's done fix it see it worked for us I I just think that that would become come from a place of arrogance and it's not as relatable so I I appreciate whenever you say oh or you know when I say oh I'm still doing that or whatever that it's that it's not a failure it's actually a win because recognizing a problem is the first step in healing the problem, you know, right. So, and you know what, when we talk about our stories, you had things about like, once you did, you went first and I pushed that on you like here, go first. No. And you went and then you did yours. And then I, was like, oh, gosh, she's coming from like this, you know, overcoming this serious trauma. And what am I going to do? Tell people like, I have some family members that died. Like I started thinking, my story is not good enough the way I plan to tell it. Uh, and then, <laughs> but then I just, you know, still told it. And so I was in the comparison trap. And then you heard my story and then you were like, 
you had better interview questions than I did. And I didn't think that at all. And then you were like, why did I start out saying I'm a strong woman? And then I don't know. We both did that. We were back and forth mm -hmm. doubting ourselves, questioning, comparing. And I just have to remind us and everyone else that we're not in some kind of, uh, what are you, what are my, what word am I looking for? Competition. <laughs> Competition, that's the word. Mm -hmm. We're not competing with each other. Can I show you my scars and you show me yours? No, mine are bigger, mine are deeper, mine are, mine are worse than yours. It's not that everyone's hurts, traumas, everybody's story is valid. Yes. And just because someone else's story is valid doesn't make yours invalid. That is true. That is so right? true. So, so we learned a lot when we shared our stories. I did. I learned a lot about you and myself and how I react to things. But I just wanted to put that out there. I really appreciate that because that was needed that needed to be said. It totally needed to be said. You know, talking about my story, I just wanted to say that after telling the story and then saying, "Oh, I was a strong woman" and then listening back to the things that I said in my story, I, I left out a, a part and I just want to put it on the record now is that I'm able to recognize now what the, um, promiscuity was about because it, became like a drug it was actually a form of numbing because in those moments i was able to actually feel nothing like i was dead inside and so i just wanted i just wanted to kind of set the stage not to make an excuse or a reason for why i was behaving that way but to shed a little bit of light to give possibly some understanding behind it for our listeners. Again, here I am worrying about y'all thinking, oh yeah, she was one of those girls. And I don't even know you, but I'm wanting to kind of put that out there today just to say it was a form of escape in the strangest, twisted way because that's how I could not feel. And I just didn't want to feel during that time of my life. You can look at any destructive behavior. And now it's kind of big if someone's just kind of ranting on the internet or maybe bullying or something. And someone will throw in, who hurt you? Yes. But it's true. Like most reactions like that, when you're just being evil or destructive with your words or whatever it probably is coming from some place of hurt yes and, and there's like a whole spectrum of things but you have to look at that if you do have any destructive patterns that you're still expressing in your life the best thing to do is to go back to the source and I, it might not always be clear cut. It, for you, I think you're like, I know, here, this happened. 
it traumatized me for life. But some people might not have, they might not have a incident. No, but they may, yeah, thanks for calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using your words again. Yes. But, um, but, but that's true, but there also can be, like for my life, I had a clear cut, this was it. But then when you piled on the other things that came later, my parents' divorce, my dad getting remarried, the custody battle that ensued, then us living with my dad and this new stranger, and the things that happened with her in the household, those things piled on. Those were were then more... They just added on to the initial thing and they just were a trickle in. So I sometimes I think that people don't maybe have that first point where they can totally identify it, but then it's all a little, little. They have this cum cumulative. Yes. And they just picked up all this stuff. There's a, a video by the skit guys and it's like baggage and the guy's just carrying around these suitcases and bags and they're hanging off his shoulders and mm -hmm. there's just like and it's so heavy and then finally he's convinced to let them go and it's like i i saw a skit in a church once mm -hmm. where there is a character gosh my memory is terrible but i'm just like picturing this now a character i guess that was supposed to be jesus and started taking off those bags mm-hmm off of someone and they kept running back and picking them back up. Yes, they're like, but and I need this like, one. No, but I'm taking it. Uh -huh. Whether you're religious or not, just the symbolism of that. And it could, it's just amazing how we will cling to that stuff. Cause like we're talking about being spillers and we spilled. Yes. But how many times did you? go to the box and just get up your mess and like put it back. I got to keep this. I had to put it back in there because that's my box. That's right. That goes back to, <laughs> if we're reflecting back, it goes back to our mental hoarding episode. Right. right. We clung to those things because we thought that was our identity. So I did some reflecting back on depression, the depression episode. And when I did, I kind of, realized that for me that depression was like the flashpoint in my life it was that's how i am describing it it was a flashpoint where my past and my present were colliding and they were competing for their rightful places in my life and then all i could do was just shut down and then i just spiraled into depression and i just kind of feel like that's what was happening that my past that I hadn't dealt with was catching up with me. I could no longer keep stuffing it in my box. But my present was trying to fight against it and say, no, you have a better life now. Stop it. And it was just, boom, this huge explosion kind of went off. And that's what set it off. So I just wanted to say, say that because to me that was like a profound thought for me to think about. I don't know about you. I like that. We'll take that quote and put it on the, our Instagram. 
Oh, okay. Later. <laughs> One day. I'm always looking for, send me some quotes, what you said. Hmm. Any, any thoughts? Should I just keep going on? Keep going. Okay, so next was guilt, the guilt episode. Of course, who hasn't carried around guilt? But I, I, I've been carrying around guilt my whole life. But I, I need to say this. This will probably be a guilt that will always probably be with me. And I will be constantly reminded of, and I don't know how to fight against this guilt or release myself from the guilt. But I have carried around the guilt of not telling about my abuse my whole life. I have been carrying it around. And I think maybe I'm probably, like I said, I'm will to some degree probably forever, because I feel that if I had told, if I would have said something, if I would have ran home that day and told my mom, maybe, maybe I could have saved other people from being abused by that person. Maybe I was the first. Maybe I wasn't. But maybe he would have been in jail and wouldn't have been able to hurt anybody else. And I if somebody has a thought or a clue or anything on how I can re be released from that guilt, please put it in our comments on this episode because it is a huge battle. I have a little bit of thought on it. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of thoughts. You are still punishing a child, your child self, for thinking like a child. And there's no way to go back and change the way you handled it. So there's no reason to be guilty for something that you can't change. Well, I mean, that's just the way I see it. You could invent a whole other scenario where you did and maybe your dad went over there or your mom and maybe something horrible happened. And then you would have carried that guilt if something would happen to your parents. Because you, you just honestly don't know. There could be so many different scenarios. But I'm just saying, as someone that blamed their child self mm. for taking a nap and letting their mother drown for so many years, it just took me one day saying, I'm not in control of what my mother's life was. I, I don't control That's that. Right. Um, if that was her time, that was her time. And maybe if I would have been awake, I swam like a fish when I was little. What if I would have jumped in after her? Then that could have been my life gone too. I don't know. Like That's I'm just fine. saying there could have been a lot more trauma involved if I would have been awake. And so I used to blame myself. Why did you fall asleep? You're five years old. You didn't need to sleep. I mean, I did that. I blame myself. But now I just know, like, this was the way it was supposed to happen, however tragic and sad that it was. And I can't go back and change it. So why am I saying that it was my fault? Because it wasn't. That's so. true. That was what I had to say about it. I would love to hear from other people's <laughs> opinion <laughs> right? about a time then that you felt like your whole life changed. Because you did or didn't do something that now you wish you could have changed. But mm -hmm. you can't. You can't change what you didn't or didn't do. 
going. Okay, I'm going on. Yep, perfectionism. Oops. All I can say on that one is ouch. And I just never realized until we dug into that how deep perfectionism is rooted in my life. I would come back and say, like, when I wrote down for the episodes, that's the only one I wrote down stuff for. <laughs> because we, I can't even remember, was it in episode two? Which one did I say? We knew we weren't perfect. I don't think we were perfectionists. I re- There's yes. one of those I said yes, that in did the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we did this whole perfectionism one. And I'm like, oh, so yeah, of course I'm a perfectionist. This is the one episode out of all the others that I will say I struggle with the most because it's rooted so deep in my soul. You can do better. You can do your best. Do your best. Mm -hmm. And, And I know it's not bad to have goals and learn more and do better. I'm still doing this with this podcast. Speaking of, we have our mic in a different spot today, hoping that our sound is better. Like, I'm still, we still are striving to do better. I just am challenging myself to not wrap my identity in, in it. And that's what I did for so long. I, I think I told you that in a video I was making you. I thought there was a report card <laughs> that someone was keeping for being a wife and mom. That's right. And it was me. I was the only one keeping the report card. <laughs> um, grading myself every day. And so I just want to give my, like I said, give myself grace. Give yourself grace. That it's okay that you're not always overachieving. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the one for me that I felt called out on the most. Well, I've definitely felt called out on it. You know, after, after doing that episode, like I could see clear as day, the message that I was needing to hear. And that was, you don't have to be perfect. I just have to be me. That's it. Mm -hmm. And being me and doing, striving to do my best every day is okay. And I should not be trying to be somebody else and searching for my worth and what people think of me. Only what God thinks of me and what, and this is going to sound crazy, what I think of me, right? And I've just put down here in big, bold letters, no more bad Charlene and good Charlene, just Charlene. Yes. Some uh, really good friend of mine told me that once. (laughs) She's a know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have self-care. I did have self-care here. And that is when we took a step back and got off some of the heavy topics. Yeah. That we needed a little reprieve. But it still was, like you said, a tough one because we have it in our minds that it's selfish. Yep. And, of course, we talked about how it could be depending on how you're doing it, but self-care is just important for recharging. And I still have to 
make myself like make time for that you have to kind of identify what self-care for you because it's not the same for everyone that's right and it's even if you're married it's not the same for your spouse and so sometimes I think that's another thing you're like well this is what I do for self-care and if they're like that's what I need for self-care then sometimes it might become like a source of contention well, yeah, but we recognize them. Think of this. This is yeah. what I think about. Like my self-care, your self-care is very different than our husband's. Like for my husband, his self-care mm-hmm. is on the weekend, he spends one whole day outside piddling around. If there's five leaves, weeds to pull, he pulls them. If he, he mows our yard and, and our neighbor's yard. Just because he loves to be outside, and that is his self-care. He works in an office. He drives far to work every day. Being outside, in nature, doing that is his self-care. And I used to be like, why every weekend do you have to spend nearly the whole day outside? Can we do something as a family because you're not working? And then finally, I just recognized that that's what he needs. Mm -hmm. And for your husband... He just has to wash his car. <laughs> yes, wash his car. There's a, and and music. That's right. And concerts music. or whatever. But it's fine as yes. long as you figure out other ways to connect. Later, it's yes. fine to allow other people to have their self care like that. Yeah. Don't look at it as abandonment. When I first got married, one of my famous sayings was, pay attention to me. (laughs) Because if he was doing anything that wasn't paying attention to me, I would say that and kind of like use it as a guilt thing. Mm. And now I would be more like, go do your thing because I'm doing my thing. But that comes with experience and years of maturity and all of that. Yes. So honestly, it's important that you learn to enjoy something yourself on your own independently people that have to have someone like oh I have to have my friend I have to have my sister with me I have to have my husband I have to have my child or whatever if you have to have that every waking moment of your life I'm wondering if you like yourself well that or (laughs) you might need to check yourself and make sure you're not a codependent person I've been there yes so for self-care for me it's a it's a pretty serious reprogramming of my thoughts about this. And I'm trying to, I'm practicing shifting my mindset to say, hey, this is what I got out of the self-care one, is I am important and deserve to take care of my health, my body, my mind, and my soul. That is what I got out of it. And that, for me, it was huge because I feel like still, again, I'm talking about, oh, this was bad and this was bad and this was bad. But that one really hit home to me that that I have to believe that I am important, that I am deserving, then that it is okay for me to take care of myself. Not just for me, but for my family. So you're going to do shame and I see. You had a lot to say about it. I did have a lot to say about shame because that one was huge for me. Because digging deep into the prep for that episode was just this huge, big, wow moment for me. 
it really was like the first time that I recognized just how mean I am to myself. Like nobody needs to shame me because I've got it covered. It's like I'm still living in my childhood. And that was hard to admit to myself. So here it is, the ugly truth. The shame episode was the light bulb moment for me. Shame is the driver of all the other stuff. The mental hoarding, the depression, the guilt, the trauma, and the abuse, the perfectionism, the health issues, the alcohol, the low self-esteem, and the list goes on and on. Shame wrapped it all up for me in a nice little box. And that box is still spilling all over the place. But I'm a work in progress. And my story is not done being written. And so I feel like I still have time. But now I feel like I'm a rushing. In my mind, I want to rush through this because I'm like, I want to, I want to be done with it. I want to be that new person like right now. Yeah. But you didn't get to any point in your life in a rush. Like it was a many years and things that happened all added up. So it's like like peeling back yeah. layers. And each time this so doing this podcast <laughs> is peeling back those layers for me. You know, I've yes, I've been in therapy and I've peeled back some layers. But there were more layers, like in Shrek. I'm like an onion, you know? <laughs> Onions got layers. Um. Well, I told you what my counselor said about doing this because both, our, our, both of our counselors are happy that we're doing this. She said, you really don't grasp it all until you're in a place to teach it to others. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's where we are. Here we are teaching without our degrees in teaching. <laughs> True. We don't have our We've degrees. We've been teachers in any, our whole life. <laughs> any kind of medicine, uh, like our medical degrees or whatever, we don't have any of that. We're just taking experience, not just our own, because we tell you when we cite other references, but others... We, we research, we look into it, and we're just giving you the practical guides that we've experienced. We tell you when something worked, something didn't work, something we're trying, thinking about, all that. So it's just mm-hmm. like a whole plethora of things that helps us share. And that's how we are able to even though it's more like sharing than teaching, but it's a form of instruction. And that proves that we're at a different level than we were when we started. Oh, if someone would have asked me like five years ago, (laughs) she like, I am not qualified to talk about this at all. That's what I would have said. Yeah. And that's part (laughs) of my struggle here, but I'm feeling like, I, I just feel this isn't an accident. And, Like I said at the very beginning, I felt like God was wanting me to use my voice for something. Like I was supposed to be telling people about something and so that I could help other people. Whether I'm helping people or not, I am 
confident in knowing that I'm at this place in this juncture in time so that I can see all the spaces where I still need to do work and it is helping me. So definitely. So yeah. Do you have any more on shame? Any no. thoughts? All right. So I'm moving on to expectations episode. It was real revelation to me and I found this meme and it made it all clear for me about expectations and maybe I said it in the episode, maybe I didn't, but it is a meme that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was, the quote is, the expectations of others were the bars I used for my own cage. And the reason that hit me like a ton of bricks is because in my therapy sessions, I have expressed throughout my therapy that I feel like I am in jail. Like I'm on the inside looking out, wanting to get out and be free, but I just don't know how. Like I had one episode, I think I said I boxed myself in. Mm -hmm. I had boxed myself in with all my stuff. And so the revelation that hit me with that is that I keep getting disappointed by people because I keep expecting people to be treating me and loving me in the same way that I love and treat them. And that that mindset was hurting me. It was hurting me and it was keeping me trapped in that cage because it was like an, like a wall type thing. And I come from a totally different place when we did the expectations. That is my playground. Mm lowering expectations because I know for me, once I figured that one out and stopped setting high expectations, I, I just miraculously became happier. And so I'll never say I've mastered anything, but I will say that that is one that I don't have to think about as much anymore. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, we're all supposed to get together and wouldn't it be nice if it ran smoothly? And, but I'm just like, no, well, maybe one of my grandkids is going to have a meltdown because they're tired. Um, I keep thinking like we should have more nice photography done when we get together and it never happens. And I even have a family member listening that is a professional photographer that is true <laughs> and we still miss it because it's so busy but a lot of my expectations were built around the ideal family the perfect family we're all here mom and dad and now the kids and now we are like jeeves and cha-cha that's yes. our that's our grandparents names but like all of those things because even though i tell you i had a wonderful family I loved, it wasn't the traditional family. So I used to set up in my mind what the ideal family was going to be and I was going to have it and all these ridiculous things. And there's just stuff that happened. And especially when you get kids of all ages and then some of them were like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm leaving or this, that, or they have significant others and then they have their own families and like everything just starts getting jumbled and I just kept trying to like hold on to all that 
and it was making me sad and miserable. And like I said, I was dreading, dreading things, dreading get togethers and all that. So I love expectations. I love getting rid of them. That's what right. I love about them. I love tossing them, getting rid of them and just going with the flow. Because like I said in the beginning, I'm a laid back person. <laughs> I mm -hmm. am. But I still would get all twisted up inside. And then I would pout. And now just like be true to my laid back self. And just go with the flow about it. And whatever happens, happens. So. I'm good with expectations. I like that though. That you you love expectations. You love getting rid of expectations. Oh, yeah. That's what I love about them. Yep. I love getting rid of them. And so with that, what I realized is that part of my work is to not be picking up any more bars. That I will love getting rid of expectations. Yeah. All I know about boundaries is I need some. <laughs> you put practice. Yep. I put practice, mm -hmm. practice, practice. But I need them. That, that's what I... We all do. So the boundaries was really good. I loved studying about how there's healthy boundaries. You know, there's mm -hmm. the un, what what exactly unhealthy are, and I don't know. It, there was a lot of again that word layers to that that I never thought because when you think about boundary, it's just like drawing a line around, but it's more than that. And so it was like, you can do physical boundaries, you can do like emotional, mm -hmm. you can set boundaries with how someone speaks to you, how someone treats you. Yes. Or the requirements. Right. Right? Hey, I require this. Right. So I think that one was helpful. I wrote down this. We've kind of already gone through it. But I said that each one of us were going to ask this. We were going to answer this question for the audience. How has doing the podcast affected or influenced our mental health journeys? And I'll just go first. It has created something extra mm. on my plate. Okay. But I do check in with my counselor every month and she just keeps saying is it still fun for you is it still a source of joy and happiness yes it is so I'm careful with my time about it sometimes I'm like no on these days I'm not going to do anything but then other times I'm like okay I'm going to get down to business and edit stuff or we're going to research or we're going to post these things so that's just on me finding my balance because it was something extra that I added to my life. But it is rewarding still. As long as it's rewarding and we have something to say, we'll keep saying it. And I don't even care if someone says, will y'all please stop talking and get off the airwaves? I'll be <laughs> like, I don't care. We're still liking it. So that is how I see it affecting me. What about you? What about you in that question? How is it affecting or influencing you? Well, one is the time thing. But for me, I'm feeling though, at first I was like, oh, this is one more thing on my plate. But thinking about self-care, it's like 
this is like really, really, aside from once a month going to a homeschool mom's bunko group or something like that. I mean, I have taken a few, some vacations with friends, but beyond that, on a regular basis, that's not like a once a year thing or whatever. This is self-care for me. This is self-care for me. I'm setting aside something that I enjoy doing. It's a place where, for whatever reason, I'm able to be open and honest. And I feel like this time right now is like a place where I'm actually feeling free to be my authentic self. So for me, that's everything. And I told you I was going to ask you one more secret question. Yeah. And mine for you is just, what would this Charlene say to her younger self if you had the chance? <laughs> okay, now that's it. I kind of did an eye roll. Because I, I think we all wish that, oh, if I could go back and tell. I mean, I think of that sometimes. Like, if I could tell myself from five years ago. If I could tell myself before I had kids. If I could. But, Leah, so I just put you on the spot to say, like, what would you say? Well. For all that we've learned in these I months? actually, in therapy, wrote a thing about that. You did? Okay. Yeah, a whole thing. So you were writing like a letter to yourself? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And I can tell right now it wasn't easy for you, was it? No, it wasn't. If Can this be answered in another episode and I will find that letter and I'll read it? Oh, well, of course. Yeah. You definitely don't have to read I, it I would all. say that I... So it's something you've thought about. It is something I've worked through. Do we all think about this? And it's one of those things. Obviously, we can't do it. But sometimes I think, you know what? Like my counselor used to tell me to write a letter, possibly to my brother, uh -huh. or about my brother's death. I still have yet to do it. Can't do it. Still haven't done it. It was part of my grieving process because I was stuck in the stages of grief. So... I don't know why. So it is therapeutic to write things out to yourself, to just no one in general about something. Yeah. Maybe I, to someone that harmed you even. I, I wrote That's a letter. another one. I wrote a letter to my abuser. It was hard work. I left my home. I went away for a that weekend. That is, yeah. And I would have to say there was quite a few prof of profanity in that letter because I didn't hold anything back. We could maybe do an episode one day about letters. I have, I wrote a horrible letter. I'm not even going to say it on here. If we ever do the episode, it's stuck in some computer somewhere. And if anyone ever discovers it, hopefully that computer doesn't work. It was in my deepest, deepest place of depression that I wrote that letter but I that does remind yes. me 
I said I was going to share this one note I wrote when we talk about wanting to like record profound statements. I wrote this in a note about what depression was to me. This was like when I was depressed. Um, and when I read it now, it's actually the first note in my phone. It's been saved here for over eight years. I, it's like, I don't even recognize the person that wrote this. I put depression is living as a ghost, haunting your own life. Oh my gosh. I just like, I'm never going to get rid of that. And I was like, dang, that is how I felt. That's where I was. And it's hard to recognize that that's me, but that's a version of me. That's still part of me, but that's not where I am anymore. So it might be a good place to end there. I, I think that's a great place to what end. Else you have? I guess one thing I want to say is whatever has happened in the past, none of us can change it. None of us can change it. It's in the past. Yeah. It's done. It was, it is what it was. And you can't do anything about it. Except how you... The only thing you can do about it is to let it go. Yeah. And the last thing I did want to say is listening to this different format, um, this reflecting. If you like this and say, y'all should do this again. And after every so many episodes, we were thinking about doing something like this. So yay or nay, we want to know, want to hear from our listeners. Did you like our reflections? And maybe you need to do some reflecting too. Thanks for joining us today. Hopefully something we discussed resonated with you. We encourage you to challenge your thoughts and feelings as you move through this week in an effort to prevent unnecessary spilling. Join us again next Tuesday for another spilt episode with Charlene and Tanya.